Well, good morning. All right, we seem to be on. Things seem to be working. I see Shirley, and I assume Don is there. Judy, good morning. Welcome to our Bible study this morning. Um, Sunday, February 21st, the second, the last Sunday of the month of February. Um, we can now say, you know, winter is over, half over. And uh, in another, well, a little over a week, then the weatherman will say meteorological spring begins on March 1st. And so that's something to, to look forward to. The temperature is above freezing outside. Can you believe it? So I had a few raindrops on the windshield on the way in this morning, but it's above freezing, so nothing froze. There's no ice, no new ice, um, just, just the old ice that is out there this morning. So um, it's wonderful. It's still a bit cloudy, cloudy. Sometimes it was a little bit thinner clouds, but we may have some clouds today. We may have some sprinkles today, but nothing freezing. It's going to stay above the freezing point. So that's good to know. I see Darren is out there and he'll be doing his thing. Good morning, Linda. Um, so we will be having drive-in church this morning. That will be open. The transmitter will be turned on. Um, we will only stream the sermon today. So if you're going to be with Tower View, we're only streaming the sermon today. Um, and we have a guest preacher today. So uh, Mr. John Moody, a member of our church, a, a missionary and um, in the past, and a missionary for God still today, even though he's here in America. So um, we welcome him as he preaches this morning, and we will stream his, well, the goal is to stream his sermon live as he preaches. That's always the goal. Sometimes goals aren't met. And so I thank you. I will not set up the speakers outside. It's much nicer than it has been, but it's not quite that nice, and it might rain anyways. So I didn't figure anybody's going to sit out, sit out in the Snow-covered grass. Grass, yeah, snow-covered grass. I said it the right way. So that's what's going on here this morning here in sunny Kansas City. And if you didn't know, I am pastor, associate pastor Nelson Nisley, Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. And I welcome you to our Sunday school lesson, our Bible study lesson as we continue through the book of Luke. Today, if you want to find out more about us, check out our website at TowerViewKC.com. And if you're watching this live, you're on Facebook, so you can you know where our Facebook page is. So there's the stuff there, too. And so I appreciate you watching. I appreciate you listening. Let's see anybody else say hi this morning. Uh, uh, Linda. Oh, good morning, Linda. Uh, welcome aboard. Let's see. We have people watching. We have people making comments. You can share this, um, you can like this, that makes Facebook more likely to share it with others if, if we share and, and hit those likes and help the algorithms, as they say. So we'll be, we will begin our Bible study this morning as we continue through the book of Luke. We are in Luke chapter 7. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all the love and mercy that you provide us. We thank you for the salvation that you provide through Jesus Christ. We thank you that you came to earth 
even though you were God, you came to earth as a, as a physical man to share the gospel with us, to share salvation, to provide a path for salvation so that we understand this world is temporary and your salvation is eternal. And because of that, we worship you. And Lord, help us as we study your word this morning, Lord, that we can gain wisdom, we can gain knowledge, we can gain insight to change our hearts and change our minds, change our attitudes, change our lives. Because you are the mighty God. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, good morning. So we are in the book of Luke. If you are using our uh, LifeWay study plan, we are in lesson 12. We are back on track. We are on schedule now. And my my um, detour of taking things out of order is now over. We are back in sync with that. We are in Luke. So if you have that, that's lesson 12. If you have the study guide, if you have your Bibles, that is Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And last week we looked, we were in Luke chapter 6, and and Jesus was uh, preaching what we call the Sermon on the Plain. And he, he uh, finished his sermon, and it has many similarities with the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And then after this sermon, he was going out and about doing his ministry, and, and Luke records some of those things. He records the miracle when the centurion sent some Pharisees to Jesus to heal one of his servants. And Jesus healed the servant without ever seeing the servant, without ever, out coming, with ever, without ever coming to the centurion's house. Jesus um, resurrected the son, the only son of a, of a widow lady, publicly on the, during the funeral, during the funeral procession. He stopped the funeral procession, and he touched the, the body, the casket of, of, of the dead son, and he came to life right then and there at the moment, and they had to unwrap him. Um, he spoke, John's the, John the Baptist was apparently in jail at this time, and sent sent a couple of his disciples. John sent a couple of his disciples to Jesus, and Jesus talked about who John was and talked about who Jesus was and talked about himself and what he is doing. And he talked about the, the religious leaders who were never satisfied. They complained about John's ministry, and they complained about Jesus' ministry. Neither, neither one of them was good enough. One wore sackcloth and, and lived in the wilderness and screamed and preached. And the other one lives in the well, lives in and around the cities, and and goes to people's houses to eat, and they complained about that too. Um, so the the they were just never satisfied, and we get to where today's study is. In verse, the lesson starts in verse forty, which is kind of in the middle of a scene. So the scene is starts in verse thirty six, and that's where I'm going to start reading Matthew chapter seven, verse thirty six. Then one of the Pharisees invited him, that's Jesus, to eat with him, that's the Pharisee. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him, that's Jesus, at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. 
when the Pharisee who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner! And Jesus replied to him, to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. So here's the scene. Jesus was invited to a dinner. We've seen this already. This is apparently not an uncommon occurrence. Uh, he went from Matthew and, and other places. We know he, um, after Matthew was, was uh, selected as a, as a disciple, he went to Matthew's house and ate with a bunch of Pharisees. And the Pharisees complained. No, he ate with a bunch of tax collectors and their friends. And the Pharisees complained about it. They weren't invited. So here we have a time where Jesus was invited to a home by a Pharisee. Apparently his name is Simon, not to be confused with Simon the disciple, different Simon. So this is Simon the Pharisee. And you think, well, I thought, is he a leper? Well, if you read through all four Gospels, you see there's another account of a similar scene. Those other scenes in Matthew and Mark and John, they are all set in Bethany. This one does not say where it is set. But by the implication is, it's not in Bethany, it's in Galilee, because that's where all the ministry before and after this is happening, is in Galilee, that area. The, in the other accounts of a, a scene like this, all the complaints are about the cost of the perfume. Whether it's the, one, the disciples that complain about it, or some, one, one of them the account specifically mentions Judas Iscariot, the one that betrays Jesus, is the one that complained. Uh, the one, one version says it, just some of the people complained. But the complaint was the cost of the perfume, not what the person was doing. In the account in John, it says it's Mary who was doing this, the sister of, uh, sister of Lazarus and the sister of Martha, Mary and Martha, we read about them in, in the book of John. In the other accounts, the, the woman is not named as this one is not named. And so, and Mark, and then also, it is mentioned that the person who's hosting the dinner is Simon, but he says he's a leper, doesn't say anything about being a Pharisee. So, this is probably a different incident that this happened to Jesus more than once. In the other accounts, it happened, it seems to happen more at the end of Jesus' ministry, just before he's crucified. And he mentions that the purpose of it was to anoint him for his death, the way you anoint a body after they die. This one here is not about death. Jesus' point is not about death. The complaint is not about the costs. It's about the woman herself. So this is probably a very a different instance that this happened to Jesus more than once. And we find that was like, wow, that was weird that it happened once, and it happened more than once? Remember John, in, that, in the book of Romans, Apostle Paul wrote, Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Jesus, at one point in time, washed all the feet of the disciples. It was a common practice in that day that if you had a dinner party, you would provide basins of water for your guests to wash their feet when they came in. Or maybe it's something you did when you came into your own home because you wore sandals, open-toed you know, open sandals, 
and no roads were paved. There was no grass to walk on, so everything was dirt. And so your feet got filthy. Besides your own sweat of your feet, you get, there was all the dirt and dust in the, on the road and, and such, and out working. Your feet were dirty, and so you'd come in the house, and you would wash your feet. So washing feet was a thing that happened way more often than it does for us. If you have a dinner party, some people have a, a thing where you take your shoes off when you come in the house, but you don't wash anybody's feet. You don't even provide a place for anybody to wash their feet. Not a thing in our culture. We don't think about it. But in Jesus' day, they thought about it. It was a thing in their culture to wash feet. So it was not to have somebody wash your feet, and it was usually a servant who did it, was not unheard of. It was a thing. It was a common practice. It was a part of their culture. So we not think that people washing feet would be out of bounds with the way we were. We think that our feet are personal. We don't want anybody to touch them. Their feet weren't quite as personal. People touched their feet. It happened. Not necessarily every day, but it happened at least infrequently. It wasn't uncommon. And so that in that time period, it would not have been that out of the ordinary for somebody to touch your feet and wash them. And sometimes it's even expected and welcomed. So that's where we are. That's what we're having here. And so this woman comes in. Now, that's kind of odd. So she came to a dinner party, and she was not invited. So she crashed this dinner party. And we think, well, how did she get to Jesus' feet? we got to remember, in, in this time period, in this place in the world, they didn't sit at a table the way we do. The way I am sitting at this desk right now, I'm sitting in a chair on, on my rear end, and my feet are under the table. And so it's hard for somebody to get under the table to get to my feet. But in Jesus' day, the table would have been much lower to the ground. Think more like a coffee table that you have in the middle of your living room. Maybe even it's a little bit lower than that. They would have had pillows. And so instead of sitting to the table and putting your feet under the table, you would have leaned, you would have laid down so your head is up at the table, but your feet are pointing away from the table, probably at about a 45-degree angle. And you had pillows that you could lean on and get under your arm and against your chest to lean on so you'd have some comfort. And, that's, and then your feet would be pointed away from the table. So somebody, so an instant like this, a person coming up to pour something on your feet would have easy access to your feet. It, wouldn't, it, would, it would not be an inconvenience to you at the table or anybody else, and they wouldn't be bumping the table and spilling everything. And they could go up to one person without bothering everybody else. So this woman comes in, uninvited, finds Jesus, so she knew who Jesus was, and went to his feet. And she does these things that's listed here in Scripture. She brought perfume with her. She starts, she is just crying. She is sobbing. And her tears are, 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 are uh, spilling over on Jesus' feet. She doesn't have a towel. She uses her hair, which is inappropriate. 
A woman should always keep, in that time period, a woman should always keep her hair up. If a woman in public let her hair down, that was grounds for divorce if she was married. That was a shameful thing to do. And she took this perfume. It doesn't say how expensive it is, but the fact that it's in an al- it's perfume and it's in an alabaster jar, not just a random play- cheap clay daily clay jar, so it's something nicer. And she pours that on his feet. So all these things are happening. And this Pharisee, who apparently knows who this woman is, you know, small town, you know, think small towns, everybody knows of everybody. So he knows who this woman is. She knows what she does. It doesn't say here what she does. But apparently it was a sinful practice, whatever she did. And it doesn't say what it is. There's no reason to speculate. But it was common knowledge. And this Pharisee knew she was a sinner. And Pharisees didn't let sinners touch them. They wouldn't be hired as their servants in their household. So there's all kinds of unseemly things that are happening here. And this Pharisee, is seeing this, and he's thinking that Jesus really is a prophet, which the implication of the, the way he states this thought, his thought is that Jesus really isn't a prophet. Because prophets will, would, should naturally know because they're prophets of God that whether a person is a sinner or not. And this woman's a sinner, so he shouldn't have anything to do with her. He should, he, he should chastise her and tell her to quit touching him and, and send her out. That's what he, Jesus should do, according to this Pharisee. Because that's what a Pharisee would do. He wouldn't want a, this sinner lady in his house. He's, in, he's like, what is this lady who's a sinner coming into my house? I don't want her in my house. She's defiling my house. She's doing shameful things that a woman should not do in my house. Why is this so-called prophet putting up with this. Why isn't he chastising her? That's the problem. That's the setup. And so in verse 40, Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon replies, say it, teacher. He didn't call him rabbi. He didn't use the word for rabbi. He just said teacher. So a a lower, a rabbi is a title word, which means teacher. But it's a title word. He used a different word for teacher that is not a title. So Jesus tells him a parable. Starting in verse 41. Continuing in verse 41. Luke chapter 7, verse 41. A creditor has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. Jesus answered, you have judged correctly, he told him. Jesus tells a parable, but he gets Simon involved in the parable. He gets Simon involved in the parable. And he says, I I, I have this story for you, okay? And Simon, understanding Jesus' parable, wasn't real hip on answering Jesus' question. 
Jesus has a way of, of asking questions that show that the Pharisees, the religious teachers, are wrong. And so he hasn't challenged the Pharisee, not directly yet, at least not in this parable. He just said, he just said a parable and says, which one is it? But fair, and you look at it because well, how do I why do I accept it? Well, look at his hand. I suppose he, he kind of wavers. He doesn't say, well, definitely. Well, I suppose the one he forgave more. 500 denarii, 50 denarii. Well, is that a lot of money? Well, yes. A denarii, a unit of coin, was generally one day's wage for a laborer. So if you worked in the fields, if you cleaned houses, whatever, if you were just a normal laborer, you would get paid one denarii per day. You So you would work that day, and that that evening, at the end of your work shifts, your person who who hired you that day would hand you a denarii coin. No two weeks wages. They, they paid you daily, and you needed it daily. So 50 denarii is roughly 50 days wages. Think of how much money you make in 50 days. 500 denarii would be 500 days wages. So think about how much money you make in 500 days. A year is 365. It's tax season. You've got your W-2 forms. You know how much you made last year. So, But this is like almost a year and a half, not quite a year and a half. And so think about what you make over a year and you're in debt that much versus what you make in 50 days, which is not quite two months versus what you make in two months. So it's kind of the difference between buying a used, a cheap used car for like $5,000 versus a brand new, you know, F-150. You know, that's upwards forty, fifty thousand $50,000 if you get all the bells and whistles. And so think about the difference in prices there. It doesn't say anything about why they couldn't pay off their debt. You know, maybe, you know, or... Was it a justified debt? You know, maybe the day they got the debt, they were employed, but then COVID hit and they got laid off. I don't know. Um, it doesn't say why they couldn't pay the debt. Could have been, you know, they couldn't pay the debt because of hospital bills. Something else came up. Doesn't say. Doesn't say what the debt was for. Doesn't say why they couldn't pay the debt. Doesn't matter. They had a debt. They could not pay it. And their creditor said, okay, well, I'll just write it off. Don't worry about it. And actually, the, the, the words Jesus uses, graciously forgave them. Graciously forgave them. If you forgive somebody, are you doing it graciously? Whether it's a monetary debt or some other thing that they have done to you. Do you graciously forgive them? That's what this creditor did. They graciously forgave. These two debts, both, neither one of them were small. A 50 days wages, you know, two months of pay is not a small debt. I mean, you can pay it off if you have a job, and eventually you can. Um, but, you know, paying off a brand new vehicle is, you know, unless you're making good money, you know, it's, most of us aren't, don't, aren't buying brand new vehicles that, that cost that much. It costs a year and a half's wages. Most of us aren't doing that. So, um, you know, whatever reason, they were forgiven. And Jesus asked Simon the Pharisee, which one would love his creditor more? And the creditor rightly answers, well, probably the one that got forgiven more. 
who had the bigger debts. And Jesus says, you're correct. And then Jesus goes on to make the application to Simon and the people who are there. Verse 44, Luke 7, 44. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, so he's looking at the woman, but he's still talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loves much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. So here's a, he's making the application. So Simon, when Jesus came in, did not provide water for his guests to have their feet washed. It's not a requirement, but it's a nicety. He did not provide a personal greeting with a kiss, like you know you that um, that you see some like a, you think about some Italians and some Europeans do some do in the Middle East. He didn't provide a kiss as a greeting to Jesus that you you would provide a, a close friend or family member. Sometimes they would anoint guests with oil. You think of on their head. And it says olive oil, but usually if they did that with olive oil, they would, uh, it would be mixed with some uh, spices to make it smell nice. Remember, they didn't take baths daily. You're out and about in the hot heat and desert, so they wanted, you anoint somebody with oil to make them so they don't smell so bad, okay? Make them feel a little better. You wouldn't necessarily pour so much on that it's just dripping down their head, but you give them enough that... You know, you had a nice aroma about you. You didn't smell so bad anymore. That's why you would do that. And so this Simon did not provide any of that to Jesus or his guests. But here is this woman who was doing those things. And Simon, in his thoughts, had said, well, if Jesus was a prophet, he would know this woman is a sinner. And Jesus, in his Jesus' response here, he says, this woman whose sins are many, so he knew her sins. Now, the question is, is this the first time Jesus has met this woman? There's a good chance it's not. Because why would she know that she's forgiven? My guess is Jesus met her already and had already pronounced forgiveness on her or, or, or something, and she believed what Jesus was, was teaching and decided to follow him. And then she found out about this dinner, and just out of her grief of her sins and part of her repentance... She had to come and do this thing for Jesus. She just had to. She just, for whatever reason, she could not stop herself. And she had to come and worship Jesus out of thanksgiving, out of gratitude for what he has done in her life. Because when you know, especially those of you who came to Christ as an adult, the things that you have done in, earlier in your life, you may regret. You wish you could undo them. You wish you could black them out of your mind, and you can't. That's where this woman is. She's done some things that she regrets. She wishes she could black them out. She can't. But she knows that Jesus has not thrown her out, that Jesus has 
given her a path to salvation where the Pharisees would not and could not. But Jesus said that her sins were forgiven. Actually, in verse, let's see, in verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's past tense. Have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. Because she realizes what God has done for her. Accepted her when others wouldn't. And has forgiven her where others wouldn't. Including this Pharisee would not forgive her. And so Jesus has been talking to Simon the Pharisee all this time, making a point to Simon about um, hospitality, about worship, about forgiveness that comes from God. And now Jesus turns his attention to the woman specifically. In verse 48, Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. So whether he said it before or not, he's saying it here now. Her sins are forgiven. He sent it to her personally. So he's looking at her and she's looking at him. Your sins are forgiven, which riled up everybody else at the table. They probably didn't say anything, but they probably all moved around. Those who were at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man that he who even forgives sins? This is not the first time this accusation is made against Jesus. We saw this earlier in Luke when the, when the paralytic man was lowered through the roof. The first thing he said to the man was, your sins are forgiven, which riled up all the Pharisees. And Jesus said, to prove to you I can forgive sins, he told the man to get up and walk. And he did, and he could. So Jesus did not do that miracle here because this woman is physically fine. And he, so they're all grump, being grumpy that she, he is pronouncing forgiveness of sins because only God can do that. But they're not accepting that Jesus is God yet. They have not seen enough. His miracles were not enough for them. In verse 50, he says to the woman, Jesus talks to the woman again, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Because of your faith, you are saved. We must choose Jesus. But God, we know in other scriptures, God says he, God chooses us from the foundations of the world. So which one is it? Does God choose us or do we choose God? Yes. It's, it's not an either or, it's a both and. As, a, as sinners, we must choose God. We just don't know that God's been calling us. We don't realize that. After you've been saved, after you've come to Christ, then you go and read Romans chapter 8, and it talks about there is no condemnation because of what Jesus Christ has done. That he has called you from eternity. That There is salvation in no other name. And that he knew about you. And it's not a surprise to him. It might be a surprise to you. 
You didn't know you were going to go down this path all those years ago. But here you are, following Jesus. And God knew it all along. You just didn't. And you had to choose him because you didn't know that he already chose you. So from our earthly sense of view, we have to choose him. Absolutely, we have to choose him. Absolutely, we need to repent. Absolutely, we must make a choice to follow him. I have decided to follow. We must decide to follow him. And as Christians, as we live every day, we must continue to decide to follow him. And yet, as Christians, we also read in Scripture where it says, you know, even when I am unfaithful, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Jesus said that I cannot lose any of these that are put in my hand. None of them will be snatched away. And he did not lose Judas Iscariot. He never had Judas Iscariot. Judas was never came to him. God chose him as a disciple, knowing that he would betray him. And so it says this woman's faith has saved her. Well, how do we know what? She had to take a step of faith to do all these things that we just read about. I mean, technically, she's trespassing. She's breaking all kinds of, so that's, that's a legal thing. But she's breaking all kinds of customs of you know rules of, rules of the of the day you know having her hair down, crying in public, um, you know kissing somebody's feet. We think you know we uh, what, you know think about that's you know just an expression. No, she's literally doing it, and that's while people would have washed people's feet, they would not have kissed their feet literally. That that would not have been a thing. Except maybe a king or something, but that I mean, it'd been only high-ranking people, and then by somebody very lowly, who the king was gracious to. But that's what's happening here. Jesus is very high; he is the Son of God, and she is very lowly. She has been saved from hell, and so she is grateful, and so she does humble herself in so many ways here. That she is humbling herself. In a way, humiliating herself in public by, by doing this. But she realizes the humiliation of her sin is so much greater than this little humiliation here. And so she does this public act of worship that humiliates herself out of gratitude for salvation. She breaks all kinds of social customs to worship Jesus. Are we willing to break social customs to worship Jesus? Sometimes the social customs are built into our churches. I don't know what that means. I'm not advocating any specific act. I'm just saying God is not limited by social customs. He is bigger than that. Our worship has, should not be limited by social customs, whatever that means, because the social customs in our day are different than, than, than this day. We're in a different country. We're in a different time period. We're in a different continent. Our social customs are different. That's fine. That's not wrong. But are we willing, are we held back by social customs and what our worship of Jesus is? Our limit of, or are we worried about social customs, about sharing with others about God, what God has done for us? Are we letting those, holding this back? 
And the last thing is about forgiveness. This God forgave this woman. He said, go in peace. So all the nasty things that she had done, whatever her sins were, Jesus said, go in peace. They are now forgiven. You have a new life to live. Start over. Don't repeat the past problems. Start a new life. And he said, go in peace. And he said as much for Simon the Pharisee as he did for this woman. Let this woman go in peace. She is now forgiven. She is starting a new life. Let her start over. What does that mean? I don't know. That, you know. So if you find out somebody who, you know, who was a thief and maybe have robbed you personally and they come to Christ while they're in jail, while they're in prison, you are to forgive them and let them live in peace and not continually bringing up their past and reminding them of their life before Christ. They don't need reminding because it's not going to leave their mind. Forgive and forget. We don't forget. Our brains don't work that way. So Jesus says, go in peace. We need to go in peace as Christians, knowing that we are forgiven. We need to other, let others live in peace knowing that they are forgiven and not con continually bringing up their past sins once they have been forgiven. Forgiveness, we wish it could be about forgetting, but it's not. But it's not holding their past against them in the present. That doesn't mean you let a, a former child molester work in the nursery. That's different. Okay, it's not about bringing them back into the same temptation that they had before. Okay, they can work in the church in other ways, but you don't have to constantly bring that up and say, "Well, they can't work in the nursery." Remember, remember, they don't don't let them work in the nursery. Don't don't keep bringing it up. Just let them serve and find other ways to serve, and move on. And they, and they, same way, they, they go in peace. They realize, okay, I'm going to work in the church. I, I'm not working in the nursery. That's not good for me. I'm going to work in other areas of the church. And so, go in peace. The world thinks peace is a lack of fighting. And that's a form of peace. But did God, when you read peace in Scripture, it's about peace with God and peace with yourself and peace with others, not just not fighting but not holding grudges, not having bad attitudes towards others, even if you never speak it, not having those. Go in peace. Can you let others go in peace? Can you live in peace? Can you realize that you have the forgiveness of God in your life and that you can live in peace now? Have you never experienced that peace and you need to experience it for the first time? Well, then you need to repent of your sins. That's what this woman did. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. They asked the disciples in the book of Acts, what must we do to be saved? And they said, repent. First thing they said. For all of it, each of it, specifically. 
and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just believe his name, that well, there was a guy named Jesus, and yeah, not just a, not just a mental acknowledgement, but believing his message. What's his message? What right here it is. It's about forgiveness. And it's about everything that he said. Well, how can I believe it all what he said? Well, you gotta start reading it. And you believe that he is the only way to salvation. There is no other name that you can be saved by in following him. Next week, we will be in uh, Luke 9. So Luke 8 continues with more miracles. That he says more parables. Jesus driving out demons. And, and having people go in peace after they've been saved. Jesus, the man who he cast out a legion of demons. And he basically tells the man, go in peace. Go tell others what you have seen. And to, to share and you know, live your life. One of the parables you tell about light. That you put your, you know, you let others see your light. And that's what he told the man who had been who had the demons. Go and tell others about it. Go show your light. So he, in, in seven, we see that he healed, he resurrected the son of a widow publicly. She was a poor lady. She didn't have anything else. But yet he goes to the house of a, of a wealthy man, a leader of the synagogue, and heals his daughter privately with nobody around, and tells them not to tell anybody. So he resurrects and heals people who are rich and who are poor. He does it publicly, and he does it privately. He does it for Jews. He does it for Gentiles. The man who had, who had the demons was not even Jewish. He lived in another nation. He, he was on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, in what we call Jordan today, the country of Jordan. And so he was not even Jewish. And he healed him. And so next week we'll be in chapter 9. But go in peace. Can you go in peace? Can you live in peace as a Christian? Can you live in peace? If you're not a Christian, you're not living in peace. You don't have peace with God, and you need to find that peace. And you do that by asking God, by repenting. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for the salvation you've given us, for the forgiveness that you've given us over our sins, which are many. And you cast them out. Help us to live at peace. Help us to spread that peace to others. That peace of not seeking vengeance. That peace of not holding things over the heads of others that they have done in the past. That peace of knowing that we have an eternity with you and that the troubles of this world are temporary. So we seek that peace from you, Lord. We plead for you to give us that peace. We search for it daily. We search the scriptures for it. We ask for it in our prayers. But Lord, help us to give it to others too. 
Help us to graciously forgive others the way you have forgiven us. Help us to show mercy the way you have shown mercy to us, because you are the Father of mercy. And we just pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Once again, I'm Pastor Nelson. This is the Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church. If you are coming to church today, drive in church at 1030. Uh, we will, uh, Pastor Lane, our intern uh, Lane will be out there. Um, pick up your new lesson plans that start in March. So they will have them out there. And if you are a teacher of one of our classes, even if you haven't been teaching since COVID started, pick up one of the leader books. If you need a... Um, if you, if you need a large print, make sure you ask for the large print, if you, if you need that. Some of us need those things. So I thank you for watching and listening. Once again, if, um, let's see who else is on here. I see Lori. I assume Chris is there too, Lori and Chris. Uh, let's see, anybody else jump in here? Janet, good morning. Uh, Judy, I think I said hi to you already. Um, so I know, I know others are on there. Others are watching. So I appreciate all who are watching. And if you're watching this, whether it's you're watching live or you're watching the recorded, once again, if you want to know more about our church, Tower View Baptist Church here in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, we are right by the Worlds of Fun Water Tower. If you're in Kansas City, you know where that is. And you can find out more about us on our website, towerviewkc.com, our Facebook page. And if you have a praise, a prayer request, a need, you can give us a call at our church line, 816-368-1330. You can call that. You can text that. You can text that number. And if somebody doesn't answer, they will get back to you uh, shortly. They, they, they won't, it won't be long before somebody gets back with you on that. So I thank you for watching. I thank you for listening. Um, I um, thank you for, you know, the way you support Tower View of those of you who are steady supporters. I appreciate that, and we appreciate that. So I pray that you have a blessed day, a warm day, relatively speaking, for Kansas City area, the way it has been in the past two weeks. So we are above freezing. Snow is melting. And so we, we can praise God. That's, that's a sign that spring is on its way. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day. God bless.